back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How's it going, everybody? Happy Tuesday. I am your host, Travis Winkfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are going to go ahead and run it back. Day two of training camp on the horizon. We're going to hear from Coach Flores, get you all the practice notes and details from the Dolphins on the football field, and we'll talk to Devontae Parker, Eric Rowe, and Elandon Roberts. All of that and more on this Tuesday training camp, August the 18th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And the only roster news ahead of today is that the Dolphins' new safety, Jeremiah Denson, has chosen number 36 as his jersey number as he and his Miami Dolphins teammates are about to hit the field. And we'll have that covered in its entirety here on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. But first, we're going to hear from Coach Flores. And before we do that, it's a good time to remind you guys that as the official wellness provider and sports medicine provider of the Miami Dolphins, Baptist Health is ready and committed to continue caring for you safely. This pandemic has reminded us that crisis doesn't build character, it reveals character. It's also taught us that our health is truly what matters most. We have the power to protect each other by wearing a mask. So who do you wear a mask for? Mask up South Florida, keep caring, live healthy, stay strong, and learn more at baptisthealth.net slash coronavirus. And we will go ahead and start with Coach Flores' press availability from Monday morning. And you're going to hear a lot about this guy today. The first question was about Devontae Parker and things that he worked on this offseason to improve his game and to take it to another level after last year's breakout. Oh, well, you know, obviously, Devontae had a solid year last year. What I liked about him, you know, over, over the course of the offseason, you know, virtual meetings, it just seemed like he was, um, well, I know he was working extremely hard. Um, from a conditioning standpoint, catching balls, route running. I'm hoping to see um, improvements in all those areas, catching a football, route running. Um, obviously, it's a new offense, so understanding of uh, his position and um, you know, a few different positions offensively. So um, I think he's done a good job. I think he's, you know, we're still, you know, in the early stages here. Um, I think he's feeling more comfortable within the offense. You know, he just, you know, he just needs to keep stringing good days together. But you know, I'm very pleased with Devontae. And the next question was about the competition on the roster and where he might find the most intriguing battles. A question you're just not going to get him to answer because he does believe in competition on the entire roster. But he did talk about the way the Dolphins built this roster this offseason to create competition at every spot. And if that includes the rookies involved in those competitions. Well, I would say it certainly involves the rookies. I think there's, um, you know, we brought in you know, some free agents. We brought in some rookies. We have some holdovers from last year. Uh, so I think there's a lot of competition on the team, O-line, D-line, secondary, receivers, quarterback, uh, running back. And we try to create a uh, situation where there was competition everywhere, like you said. So I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see, you know, who rises to the top at all positions. It'll be a, a, a good two weeks here. Um, and pads, three weeks or 14 pad and pad days at 13 left. Um, I thought yesterday was a good day of fundamentals and technique and, um, you know, running the football and getting in out of the huddle and communication. I thought the guys did a good job from that standpoint. And, uh, you know, hopefully we build on that. But, you know, from, as a, from a competition standpoint, 
you know, we wanted at every position. Uh, we feel like we kind of created a, a situation where there would be a lot of competition. The guys we feel best about are the guys we're going to play. But we got a long way to go until we get there. Up next, you're going to get a really good, insightful answer on the decision to move Eric Rowe to safety from cornerback. And that decision didn't come from Brian Flores, but rather his new defensive coordinator. Well, I mean, Eric's a team guy. Um, and that wasn't my decision. That was actually Josh Boyer's um, you know, idea. He, he, it was something that he thought would be a good fit for Eric. You know, he's coached Eric. He's uh, spent a lot of time with him. And obviously, uh, you know, Josh felt like, you know, we had a conversation about him, you know, after it wasn't it wasn't a thought I had. He'd been playing corner. He played corner really, um, you know, his entire career. Uh, and I thought it was uh, an interesting move. So we made it. And, you know, there were some, you know, uh, bumps at the early at the Early on, but Eric worked worked at it. Uh, he watched a lot of film. He improved over the course of this the last season. Uh, he's still, you know, he's still early at the position. He's still, uh, you know, pretty new at that position. Uh, but uh, you can see, you know, some growth there even in these uh, early stages of training camp. But from a communication standpoint, playing corner and safety is, is very different. Um, so there's still you know, some things that he can improve on from that standpoint, but he does a lot of good things. Um, and hopefully we can, we can build on, on uh, some of the things we did a year ago and, you know, continue uh, to improve the fundamentals and techniques of tackling the communication at the safety position. Yeah. Again, we're pleased with Eric as well. Up next coach was asked about the condition of his players and how he felt they responded to the coronavirus pandemic and how they had to work out in unique different ways this off season, which a reminder here, we did see Eric flowers on the field on Monday, getting extra conditioning. in, so he is getting caught up to speed in that regard. And he looked good getting loose, getting running up and down the sideline there in the first practice. I'm sure we'll see more of that on day two. Here is coach Flores talking about the condition of his football team on Tuesday, August the 18th. There's always room for improvement, but I would say by and large, you know, most of these guys came in in fairly good condition. Uh, obviously, there's some there's some guys who need some extra conditioning and need to work at it. But you know, I've been I've been uh, you know, I don't want to call it for surprise, but I think for 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 the most part, you know, I think these guys are working. I think they were. I think they were they were working, you know, in their garages, wherever they could during the uh, during the quarantine. But we still got a long way to go. And a lot of that's, you know, for us as coaches, it's, hey, let's make sure we're hydrating. Let's make sure we're, uh, you know, cold tubs and hot tubs and, and doing all the things, you know, outside, off the field correctly um, so that we can get out there and practice and work the fundamentals and techniques and get better. You know, there's a lot this year. It's, you know, let's do, let's do a good job off the field from a protocol standpoint as far as wearing your mask and distancing and, trying to quarantine as much as you can but it's also from a football standpoint let's hydrate let's stretch let's uh, you know do some extra conditioning on your own um, I think they all understand that you know there was no off-season program we didn't have um, you know OTAs or minicamp especially specifically for the young guys I mean this is there's they will have uh, you know this will be the least amount of practice or OTAs you know probably in NFL history that for these rookies um, for any rookie class so um just knowing that and understanding that and uh, you know, putting some extra work in, I think our guys have done that. And, um, but it's 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 one thing to do it for two, three days. It's another thing to string together two, three weeks, months, et cetera. So um, that's the goal for us, and we'll continue to hit that as a coaching staff. And, um, you know, hopefully our players will, uh, will do those things. 
Up next, Coach was asked about Xavier Howard, his availability, the depth behind him, and the competition at that cornerback spot. Here's Coach Flo on his defensive backfield. Well, you know, there's a lot of competition at, at that position, you know, with uh, Byron to Noah to Nick Needham to uh, uh, Jamal Perry to Tay Hayes to Ken Webster. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of competition. So, uh, you know, we kind of focus on the guys who are here. Obviously, Xavier's um, uh, one of our top players, so uh, we're hoping to get him back as soon as we can. Um He's on COVID IR right now, and we're just working through the protocols from that standpoint. Um, but, you know, to answer your question, uh, as of right now, we're working without him. Um, so, you know, from, you know, as far as answering that specific question, yes, um, we have to. We don't have a, you know, really it's, – it's our only option. Um, but as far as the season goes, uh, we're really just taking this one day at a time. So, yeah, we're working without X right now. Um, and when he comes back, um, you know, that, that may be a different conversation. So, You heard Coach there talk about rookie cornerback Noah Igbenogany, how he's fitting in. He also talked about rookie running back Malcolm Perry, who's played some receivers and running back and quarterback in college. Here's Coach Flores talking about his seventh-round draft pick out of Navy and Malcolm Perry. Well, he's got good quickness. He's got good hands. He's, he's, he's an instinctive player. He's just got a good feel for the game. Um, but, you know, look, he's you know, a college quarterback. He's the, the receiver position, the running back position. Uh, they're all different. We're asking them to do a few different things. So the techniques, the fundamentals, uh, you know, playing at this level for a rookie uh, against, you know, to obviously a higher level of competition, getting used to that, getting used to the speed of the game, all those things. That's kind of what he's going through. And really all the rookies are going through right now. Uh, so I think so far he's done a good job. We've got a long way to go, as Safed said, uh, in a short amount of time. Uh, so he's doing a good job. And, but, you know, he loves to play. He loves to compete. Uh, there's a lot of things we like about him. You know, we'll see how this, this shakes. You know, obviously there's a lot of competition in that in the wide receiver room as well. And again, we talked about this. You're going to hear a lot about Devontae Parker again. Coach was asked about the motivation techniques behind getting Devontae Parker to try to produce at the same level he did last season and how he's kind of a self-starter and a self-motivator. Well, you know, with Devontae, I don't really have to push many buttons. He's, 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 he's you know, he's, he's a self-starter. He's self-motivated. Um, he's a competitive guy. Um, so I think he pushes himself and, you know, occasionally I'll you know, find the right buttons to push, but you know, with him there, they're really, you know, there aren't, there aren't many. Well, that's been, you know, my experience over the last 18 months. Um, so I like where he's at. If I feel like he needs a nudge, I'll give it to him. I don't have a problem doing that, but, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a motivated uh, young man and, um, there's other players who, who may need a nudge. He's, he's, he's one who, who who's, he competes every day. And one last question here for Coach. He was asked about the utilization of new safety and special teams ace Kayvon Frazier coming over from the Dallas Cowboys. Coach mentions the versatility and the contributions on special teams as Frazier's strong suits. Well, you know, Kayvon, uh, you know, we got him from, as, a, as a free agent, played Dallas. He's tough. He's fast. He's very good. Um, or he's had a lot of production in the kicking game. I like him coming out of college. Smart. You know, he's, he's, he's done a good job, you know, thus far. Um, he's a physical player. Look, right now we're just we're working a lot of guys in a lot of different groups, just trying to find the right um, combination of players. But he's, he's shown up, you know, positively uh, so far. He kind of OTAs and the walkthroughs and, you know, now one padded practice. So I'm happy where he's at. And, you know, hopefully we can continue to uh, grow and improve and 
um, over the course of the training camp. But um, he's, he's, you know, an experience, you know, has some experience in this league, provides some leadership or has the uh, uh, potential to pro- provide some leadership. So, and as Coach finishes up there, his, mon- his Tuesday morning press availability, rather, we're going to go ahead and jump right into the notes from practice. And right off the top in doing so, I'm going to do something that would have Coach Flores putting my ass on the first bus out of town if I were a player. We're going to go ahead and make an excuse here. The Dolphins alternate between the near field and the far field every other day at practice. I'm not really sure exactly why this is. My theory is that it gives them one more or the one field more time to recover from the previous day's work and getting chewed up like that because it takes a beating and consequently the field is not in the best shape afterwards. That's not to say that nothing happens on the near field, but the all all of the 11 on 11 drills occur on the far field on Tuesday. And so with that vantage point that's even down the line on the far field, it's really difficult to get a good look at some of the interior offensive line and defensive line battles up front. So I focused more on the tackles and edge rushers, and we got some juicy, juicy nuggets for you guys there, including some pit drill action, my favorite drill in all of football. Let's go ahead and start as we do with the construction of practice. Similar feel, similar tone to Monday. One thing I loved was the guys follow the if you're on time, you're late idea, even on the football field. The quarterbacks and centers were out out there lining up for their opening individual drills as the clock was ticking down to the start of practice. So literally as the horn sounded, I heard the quarterbacks barking out their cadence. We're all about efficiency here, baby. You're talking to a guy on this podcast that will get his toothbrush ready while Netflix is loading. I live to not waste time. So I appreciate that. Speaking of pre-practice, number 14, first one out, my new favorite Dolphins camp tradition and Solomon Kinley and Eric Flowers came out together and they hang out a lot together from what I saw and you just can't miss them because they are massive, massive human beings. It blows me away every time I see the sheer density of those two dudes. Much more on Eric Flowers here in just one moment. The quarterbacks, you can see the idea of getting galvanizing personalities, right? We've had Coach Flores and Chris Greer talk about how important it is to be able to command the locker room, command the huddle, have that huddle etiquette, the communication. We know about it in Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tungavailoa and Josh Rosen. You see this with the bond the players have with the other players, like the offensive linemen, for instance, on Tuesday's practice. They were all kind of chatting it up and laughing. I saw Tua dapping up each one of the linemen that were near him, and they were having a pretty animated conversation with plenty of laughs. That's always fun to see. The first song they played was some form of reggae, and my apologies for my lack of music knowledge here, my lack of music diversity, I should say, is that they were playing some reggae and Tua and Jesse Davis were kind of showing some dance moves back and forth. I always enjoy watching how those guys interact with one another. And speaking of dancing, I might have to start calling Jerome Baker ABD because he always be dancing. He loves to have a good time. He was out there feeling loose, getting after it. And finally, let's go ahead and get into the individual drills here. Defensive backs were breaking through two pads they had set up to intercept a pass, kind of like stepping in front of a curl route or a stick route. So the focus on the ball, as you're going to hear Eric Rowe talk about later on this podcast, is definitely evident. Strip sack and scoop for the defensive lineman, chase and strip drill. They had a shuffle, shuffle, tackle drill, a rotation on defense of all these drills so everybody works through it. And these guys sprint from drill to drill. Again, no time wasted. The offensive line was on a two-man sled working on combo blocks. And for the skill guys, they were doing ball security drills once again. The receivers started working on their releases on attacking the defensive back's hips. Malcolm Perry showed some of that quickness and instinctiveness you heard Flores talk about this morning in his press availability. Really took note of his releases as a receiver because he's not used to playing that recently. He played some receiver, running back, and quarterback in college, but he looked good out there. 
playing off the line and working on those releases off the line of scrimmage. Devontae's got a really interesting release in the way that he can kind of close ground and also use his hand fight to get over the press of the cornerback because of his power and his frame. He can pretty much run through guys most of the time. It's kind of fun to watch. Preston Williams, I did not see him out there today. And again, there were a few more drops in this drill. That'll be something I'm sure that coach wants to be cleaned up, especially in these individual drills. Chester Rogers, I plugged the tape in on him when we signed him a couple weeks back. I talked about that wiggle. You could really see that in this drill they run where they set up these cones in a kind of arc fashion and the receivers have to run a curl route around the cones. He showed a lot of shiftiness and quickness in that route running. Quarterbacks were on point throwing the football on air, but that's what you'd expect, right? There was another great drill on the other side of the field. The safeties kind of playing a center field type of drill. And Clayton Fedulum has to have some baseball background playing the outfield somewhere because I was watching him drive out of that back pedal and get to the sideline. We've seen that drill at the combine for years where they throw the football way down the field. They have to turn and track it and catch it over their shoulder. He looked fantastic doing that. I talked about this on his tape study way back when he signed also, but I loved him on sub package defenses with the Bengals on third and long when they would throw the ball short of the sticks and he would come up at the sticks and close down and make that tackle short of the line to game. Saw some of that early here as well. And Bobby McCain looked really incredibly smooth in those drills. We talked to Bobby a while back. He played catcher as a baseball player back in his day, but he looks like a center fielder out there the way he flips those hips and gets on his horse. Also, happy birthday to Bobby McCain. And a couple more notes on the one-on-one receiver on cornerback drills because I had a few notes on that, but focused more on the pit drills on the offensive line and defensive line. But real quick, Ricardo Lewis had a nice touchdown on a double move where he got wide open after that little fake, a pass from Josh Rosen. Noah Igbenogany had a really nice pass breakup on Devontae Parker on a contested play in the end zone, working on goal line and in the red zone package down there. Isaiah Ford and Bobby McCain had a really good battle where Ford pulled down a touchdown catch, and you'll hear more from both of those guys here in just one second. Let's talk about those pit drills, baby. My favorite drill in all of football. When they line those guys up one-on-one across from each other, like at the Senior Bowl, for instance, they get the camera right down the field from the from the end zone angle so you can really see what's going on there. A lot of fun to watch those. The winners in this drill, and this will be the premier matchup of the day in the written story, the top news story up on MiamiDolphins.com, were Eric Flowers and Christian Wilkins. They went head-to-head twice that I counted, and they both had the one rep that the other player lost. They split the series one-to-one, but they pretty much won every other rep that I saw against other guys, but they went at it really strong. They're both so powerful. With Eric Flowers, you just see that anchor in action. He closed out the year last year with some really good pass protection numbers, allowing very minimal hits and sacks on his quarterbacks. I think throughout the course of the entire year from Pro Football Focus, he was number two behind David DeCastro in terms of total hits and sacks on the quarterback at that position. He's so patient into his pass set. He doesn't let the defensive lineman give him the cheese he doesn't take that cheese rather when they try to do too much with the hands and kind of throwing things at him and he locates that punch and controls the rep really well initially good looking day for Eric Flowers Christian Wilkins looked crafty lean and quick he would work under guys pads and get up in their business so he could really just take them where he wanted to go with them he was turning the corner quickly causing holds and really disrupting the pocket from up in the inside portion of the defensive line Austin Jackson also had some big wins I love the way his length and athletic combination works to his advantage you can see the defensive guys and the pass rushers feel a sense of urgency when going up against him because they know if they don't get upfield quick enough, he's quick enough to get there and beat them. But he also has the length to recover when they go inside back to the outside. 
Ted Karras showed a really strong anchor against some of those big boys on the interior today. That's something you love to see because you know the sheer beef next to him with guys like Kinley and guys like Flowers will really help and can handle those bull rushes one-on-one. But man, if he can really take care of that pressure inside and lock that stuff down, I had him with good reps on back-to-back plays against both Zach Sealer and Raekwon Davis, and both those guys are absolute behemoths. Jesse Davis had some good reps as well. He does a good job, like I said, with Jackson with the patience and kind of letting guys run themselves out of the play. I have Davis with a win on Ogba, on Emmanuel Ogba rather, but that might have been the only one because I don't think anybody got the best of Emmanuel Ogba on this day. He just looks different out there than most of these guys. Do you remember Randy Johnson throwing that 6'11 frame throwing at batters with that 99-mile-an-hour fastball, and it somehow seemed like he was throwing even harder and coming at you faster because there was so much action and so much length and just height out of Randy Johnson. You kind of get the same sense from Emmanuel Ogba. There's a lot of man to block there, and he does really well with those vines he has attached to his shoulders on moving guys out of the way, keeping his frame clean, and really working both inside and outside moves because of that length and that power. Benito Jones had some good reps inside, I thought. He plays very low. He's got a lot of power and explosiveness to knife in and gain leverage against pass blockers. Some other wins, I had Zach Sealer with a couple of nice, really pass rush wins. And back to Jackson, I did have him with one rep where I thought the rush won when Van Ginkle did a really nice job of showing a step inside to get that slide step and get him off balance a little bit and then go back around the outside off the edge for the win. Tyson Render had a win. Shaq Lawson had a couple of wins. And he left for a minute but came back to practice. That was great to see. And the drill finished with a terrific rep where Jesse Davis held up like a brick wall against a really powerful bull rush. I couldn't make out who the rusher was but hey guys let's go ahead and roll those jerseys down and help us out a little bit here man i can't see the numbers on your jersey i can't evaluate the play that way all in good fun of course wilkins was the most boisterous after the drill and i think that he thought he won the drill and i would not disagree with him on that he and eric flowers looked very very good all right let's go ahead and move on to the 11 on 11 team portion everybody's favorite a little bit sloppy early on the first play had the quarterback and the running back it was fitz and jordan howard going in different directions at the snap. There was a couple of bad quarterback center exchanges. Tua had two of those. Then he went on and worked off to the side with Michael Dieter on those exchanges. Isaiah Ford, though, talk about good performances. He really got it done in that first period. Caught two balls, uncovered nicely against the first-team defense. That trust that Fitz has in him, and we've talked a lot about that here on this podcast, that was on display at Tuesday's practice. I made another note of Jackson handling his own against some of the first-team rushers off that weak side edge. I know we all loved to hear that as Dolphins fans. Austin Jackson playing really well out there through the first couple of days. Then we got a deep shot from, I think it was Fitz going after Jakeem, but it was more about the matchup with the cornerback and the receiver because we know that Jakeem can flat out scoot, right? That's his calling card. He has speed to burn. Well, Byron Jones matched him stride for stride, showing off wheels of his own. Really impressive work from those two. Really competitive battle, but Jones able to get his hands on the football and break it up. And speaking of Byron, he talked earlier in the week, maybe it was last week, about his work off to the side of the field during practice, working on tracking the football, trying to get that interception number up over the course of his career. We saw him at practice off the side of the field with an assistant. They walked up and down the field with his back turned to the coach. The coach would throw the ball, yell out, and then Jones would have to snap around and catch the football 
always working on that craft. Speaking of catching the football, Dietrich Nichols had a great chance at a pick, really drove out of his back pedal, got his hands on the football, but he couldn't squeeze it. And then we went back to the individual drills, did some ball scooping drills for everybody on defense. Offense was kind of taking a water break. The receivers were also scooping things up. They did some punt blocking drills with a gang of players. They would sprint towards this pad. Coaches would put a football out for them. They would have to dive on that thing and slide across the padding. And then it was right back into 11 on 11. Jamal Perry, we talked about him getting in there and mixing it up in the running game. I love the way he does that. He's so competitive and sticks his nose in there. He made a nice play on Matt Breida on a run stop in the backfield. And speaking of Breida, man, this dude is so, so dang quick. In addition to the long speed, he's explosive. I feel the same way about Miles Gaskin with those stutter steps they have back there. Gaskin had a run where he really pressed the hole hard, forced a linebacker to break down, then turned on the Jets and won the edge accordingly. And how about some more Devontae Parker? My goodness, this guy is balling out there. He caught a slant pass and slipped through an arm tackle and was off to the races, probably good for about 30 to 40 yards before they wrapped him up and got the whistle. He also went up and got another jump ball like he tends to do. That's kind of his game at this point, right? Just looks fantastic through the first two days of practice. I got Ogba in for another sack. I got Noah Igbenogany breaking up a back shoulder throw to Devontae Parker from Fitz. I just wrote down, I love watching this MFR compete. He is an absolute dude, referring to Noah Igbenogany. Tua then checks back in and made some nice plays. There was one play where the defense brought the safeties down and they bailed out quickly at the snap and Tua was able to quickly replace the rush with the football. We talked about that all the time here on this podcast, how he did that in college. Very quick to react to the movement of the defense. Rodgers caught that pass and then Nate Brooks punched it out and the defense recovered. So a takeaway there from the defense. Christian Wilkins was in the backfield again, had him down for a TFL. That happened before Tua found Adam Shaheen on a little curl route for 10 yards down the field finding a nice rhythm as the practice went on. And then again, I got Ogba in there with a long arm, just looking absolutely ridiculous. It forced a quick throw, and then Iguanagany jumped the route, but like Nichols, he too couldn't squeeze the football. And then Bobby McCain decided to just go off, and rightfully so, on his birthday. He he was playing his normal safety spot, and like Coach Flores talked about, I think it was on Monday, about how the safeties have to be able to play the second or the middle of the field, the two deep half, come down, play the buzz, does a little bit of all that fun stuff. And on one instance, he was hanging out in the middle of the field, and Fitch tries to drill a dig route, and Bobby closes down on the play, picks it off, takes it back the other way. Really, really nice looking play there as Bobby closed and finished the play. Then two plays later, Jakeem gets open on a condensed split to the boundary. Fitch tried that turkey hole shot between the safety and the cornerback in between the two of them. It was Noah Igbenogany and Trail and Bobby McCain closing down over the top. Jakeem got to the football, but Bobby got there a second later and separated the football from Jakeem. Really big day for Bobby McCain. I saw Eland and Roberts put some more dudes on their backs. He is a mean, physical, tough dude. Love watching him play. Rosen hit a really nice screen pass with some good ball fakes and patience to set that thing up. Patrick Laird had a nice run after the fact on that play, but I also took note of Jason Strobridge with a great hustle effort to chase that play down from the backside. few more notes here. Jason Sanders was hitting the building from 50 yards out, and the building is 15 yards or so behind the goalpost. Just an impressive right leg there for Jason Sanders. We had another big play, this time from Tua to Mac Hollins for about 30 yards on a well-placed crossing route that let Hollins run right through the catch and make a big play afterwards. Gasecki caught a nice flat route and put a defensive back on his back when he dropped the pads and lowered the shoulder and put him down. 
Didn't see the number there, but Kosicki running through tackles. And that was it. All in all, I think Monday's practice was a little bit sharper. But as you'll hear in an interview with Eric Rowe, we have coming up on the video show later this week. Guys are still getting adjusted to the level of conditioning these practices call for. So we'll ride the camp wave and be with you guys every day here on Drive Time. Let's go ahead and play some sound from our player interviews. We had Parker, Roberts, Rowe, and a late addition here with Mike Kosicki. We start with Devontae Parker. Hey, what's going on, Devontae? Um, wanted to talk about your breakout season last year and kind of picking up where you left off the last couple of days in practice on these deep balls and jump balls. And Coach Flores talked this morning about your work habits and your workout regimen in the offseason. I was curious, coming into this year, what are some things you feel that you can work on and how did you attack those in the offseason? For me, I just feel like I, can, I, can, I still have work to do on them, you know, like come back routes and things like that. And, you know, and all the, you know, just... Just trying to learn to get this office down pat so I'm going to be ready to go. And now a five-year vet in the NFL after a breakout season, Devontae was asked about his leadership role in the Dolphins receiver room. I would say, you know, teach, just teach little guys, you know, little things that from, from what I experienced as a rookie, you know, just tell them what they need to do and, and what they're doing right. You know, just, give, just be there, just be there for, for them whenever they need it. And here's a good answer from Devontae following up on the exact same theme we talked about with Fitzpatrick, Chan Gailey, and Jakeem Grant on the freedom and the routes receivers have in this offense. I would just say we probably have a little more freedom to do different things this year in this offense. Now Devontae is pretty to the point, but here he reflects upon his film study and how that's changed over the last couple of years compared to his early years as a Miami Dolphin and as a professional. The way I watch it now changes a lot. You know, you you have to see who you're going up against that week, especially if they're one of the top corners, and you just have to be prepared to come out. You know, you know, they like they might switch up the technique or something. You got and you have to know that. Up next, we got new Dolphins linebacker Elandon Roberts, and he talked about his early stint here with the Dolphins and what he brings both to the locker room, to the film room, and on the practice field. Uh, man, every day I walk in the building, just try to be the best teammate I can be. You know what I'm saying? Best best coachable player I can be best lead I can be. That's all, uh, you know, and have fun out there. You know what I'm saying? And we all out there playing a game that we've been wanting to play since it was all little kids. So, uh, you know, it, it was just more so being competitive, being a great teammate, being a great lead on the field also. Up, Landon, was my question about the physicality of Hey, what's going on, Landon? I just wanted to kind of go back to that first question and have you expand on that. Um, two days in now, just want to get your opinion on the physicality of practice and how intense it's been out there under Coach Flores. Well, you know, Coach Flores, uh, you know, he come from a background of, you know, scouting. Uh, he started off in scouting. You know, he did a little special teams. He did a little offense. And, you know, his, his pride and joy uh, is defense, you know. So, you know, the physicality of practice is going to be up because that's a part of the game and stuff like that. So, uh, like I said, man, we, we're out there. We're being physical, but at the same time, we're taking care of one of each other, having fun, and within that fun, doing our job. Roberts was one of two linebackers to sign this year from the Patriots three, if you count Kamu Grugier-Hill. But here he discusses his relationship with new Dolphins linebacker Kyle Van Noy. But Kyle, man, you know, great guy on and off the field and whatnot. He's like, you know, the same as me. Whatever coaching staff, whatever, uh, you know, Coach Josh Boyer, you know, Flores, whatever these guys ask us to do, we're going to do it. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's throughout the whole team. So uh, every guy kind of had the same mindset, you know what I'm saying, on the team, you know, do my job, be physical, do my job, have fun, be a great teammate. And he came back to the topic a little bit later on. Oh, well, you know, me and Kyle have been together four years, man. So uh, it'd be fun in the meeting rooms, man. Real smart guy. Uh, you know, great teammate, great family guy, man. Our kids are like, 
two to three weeks apart, you know what I'm saying? So me, me and Kyle uh, has a, a great relationship and stuff like that. So uh, him being in that, that that room and stuff like that, the environment, just seeing him uh, is is great, you know. And but at the same time, you know, it's kind of the culture around the organization. So every day you walk in, we got a job to do. But you know that you're gonna get better. You gonna have coaches to push. You gonna have players pushing you and stuff like that because you know the expectation. And up next, we got Dolphins safety Eric Rowe, who was first asked about the transition going from cornerback last year to safety midseason and how he dealt with that transition. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's there's always stuff to work on, uh, no matter what position you're in, how long you play. Uh, for me personally, you, know, you always work on, you know, man-to-man technique, press technique. But I know the thing I need to work on was uh, actually run game and run fits. I mean, as a corner, that's not something, you know, you see a lot of. Uh, and then at safety, uh, obviously, it's a lot more prevalent. So I know that's the thing I need to, I need to work on. Well, it's tough to work on, and obviously because you know ain't nobody around. But you know, for this training camp, you know, work on my run fits, uh, and you know, kind of seeing the run quicker than I did last year. Uh, but as you know, as far as exceeding my expectations of of last year, uh, kind of you know when I you know when they moved me there, I just you know worked on it game by game. And I, you know, I found it easier uh, to cover, obviously, to cover tight ends. You know, not as quick, you know, as receivers in the league. So, I mean, some of them are pretty fast, but you know, not all of them. And you know, whichever one I covered, it was just my goal out there to just dominate them. And he would expand on that question a little bit more later in the interview and talk about the knowledge he has in the defense and how it really attracted the coaching staff to thinking about putting him in a position where he could play safety and help communicate the defense more from that position. One, because we had injuries at safety. And then uh, two, I guess when I was back there, uh, he saw I was a good – I mean, I have a really good knowledge of the defense. And I was making I was making communication calls, you know, way from the corner spot, way out there, you know, making safety calls way, you know, way on the island. And so, you know, it was kind of a mix of, like, injuries and uh, him seeing that and then uh, – well, you know, once I guess once I started covering tight ends, it was, you know, maybe just a done deal. So, uh, but, you know, the minute I heard it, you know, I was not thrown back, but I was like, you know, okay, you know, I'll, you know, we got to help the team. You know, we're, we're, we were super low at safety. Uh, you know, right now we had, you know, we had some pretty good, you know, we had X and, you know, Nick Needham was, you know, kind of come on a rise. Like, you know, we got some good corners. So, you know, I moved back there, helped the team out, you know, however it goes down. And as one of the leaders of that secondary, Eric was asked about some of the goals that secondary has this year and what they can achieve in the 2020 season. I mean, first our you know first our goal is to you know gel together because you know every year it's a new new team, right? So we got new players in the secondary. Uh, you know, we got like Noah and, and Brandon and you know Byron and even you know whenever X comes back. So our first thing is you know we got to gel together, and then our second goal is get the ball, like. Uh, this year, we're putting a huge emphasis on, you know, getting the ball, like getting the interception, getting the pick, batting the balls, tipping the balls to get a pick. You know, no matter how, matter how we got to get it, like that's our huge emphasis uh, for this year. And, you know, and it starts right now in training camp. And that's, you know, we even got a point board. Like whoever can get the ball out, you know, you know, everybody got like a little point list. And like, so, I mean, that's how, that's how, that, that's how far we're emphasizing it. Eric would go on to talk about Dolphins' first-round draft pick at cornerback, his old position in Noah Igbenogany, and the things he has seen so far from the rookie. Oh, I mean, he has a lot of potential. He's 
he's really he's explosive, strong, uh, quick, and obviously he. I mean, he, he works hard as hell. I mean, he doesn't care that he's you know first round or you know whatever round he went. I can tell you can see in his eye that you know he wants to be great from the start. Um, so you know, what I seen from him in camp, I mean, you know, it's hot and tired. He still makes rookie mistakes. I mean, like everybody does, but uh, his. I, mean, I can tell his learning progression. He he's he's good. He, he's going to be a good guy in the league. And Eric did play some safety in college at Utah, but he did play free safety opposed to the strong safety spot. He plays more now here in Miami. He was asked about that transition of going to safety and if his experience in college helped him at all with that transition. Yeah, the most. Uh, I even though I did play in college, I was mainly a free safety, so I was in the you know I was in the uh, the, the deep the post a lot. I uh, didn't really have to deal with, you know, run fits and all of that. So uh, when I made that transition and that that was probably the most difficult thing was uh, knowing that, you know, I actually have a gap that I need to fit. And it's not like you know, a corner has like, the, you know, the D gap or the most outside gap, you know, it's easy. Like there's some plays, you know, I have to actually read O-linemen, watch the pool, uh, you know, and that happens fast. At the same time, focus on my tight end in cases, you know, it's a pass play. And so, like, that, that's probably the most difficult thing, you know, for me was trying to pick up on, on the run game, try to understand, you know, fronts, because now I got to understand, like, you know, what front is our DN and our, you know, the D line in. That corner, you kind of like, eh, you know, I don't really need to know that because I'm on the island. But now it's safety, like, I have to know which front we're in, which gap I have, if the, you know, if the, the O line pulls and my guy flashes, I have to get to this gap or it's going to be gaping hole and, you know, all that. So that's probably the most difficult thing when I had to transition. And you heard Roe talk a lot there about covering tight ends. We're going to finish up this podcast with an interview with tight end Mike Gasicki, and he first starts off talking about his time playing inside in that slot position. I think that you know this offense is kind of built for. Um, people to make plays. So, you know, no matter what position you're in, you know, whether you're running back, tight end, receiver, uh, quarterback, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, I think that, you know, if you're going to get open, if you're going to, you know, know your role, know your assignment uh, and go out and execute to the best of your ability, then, you know, you're going to be put in a position to, uh, you know, be successful and, you know, help our offense make some plays. So, uh, I mean, in terms of, you know, just playing, you know, that slot that, that, that you're talking about, um, I think that, you know, that's just the same mindset as well. So, I mean, if you're in the slot and, you know, no matter who's covering you, you know, no matter what the coverage is, whatever it is, your role, uh, you know, go out, get open, um, and, uh, you know, just let everything else take care of itself. Up next, Mike details the value of having the experience and knowledge in the locker room and the quarterback room of Ryan Fitzpatrick and how he has gone into that quarterback room to try to lean on that knowledge and gain experience for himself here, learning this offense, learning the system, and just learning how to be a professional from his quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, playing with Fitz um, helps, you know, everybody, uh, you know, no matter your position. But, uh, you know, with his experience and his knowledge of the game, um, you know, you'd be you'd be stupid not to, you know, ask him questions and try to see it through his eyes and get, you know, his perspective. Uh, so this way, you know, you kind of get some of his uh, experience as well. So um, I try to talk to him, you know, no matter what the situation, just kind of ask him, you know, how he sees it, how he sees me, you know, getting open, you know, getting some of my releases, that kind of stuff. Um, and then just kind of understanding where you fall in the progression of the play. And uh, so I think that, you know, all those things are, um, you know, super important because, 
you know, if you're not the first read and, you know, you're, you're on the backside or, you know, you know, you have more time to get open, you're, you know, you have, um, you know, you can run your route a little bit differently. So I think, you know, understanding those, uh, you know, minor details of the route rather than just, Hey, I know I had this, you know, backside in cut at 14, like, you know, understanding, you know, the full concept of the play, just like the quarterback does. And then I was up next to ask Mike about how he feels about the matchups he gets inside when Devontae Parker and Preston Williams are on the outside. Hey, Mike, kind of a similar question here is in regards to what you just finished up on that last question with the personnel groupings. When you guys have you, Devontae, and Preston on the field and all that height and leaping ability that three of you guys offer, how does that? How does having those guys on the field kind of help create mismatches for you or maybe change the way you approach to how you execute your route? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, especially after – you know, the seasons that, you know, those guys had last year, you know, obviously Preston before he went down, um, you know, was making a ton of plays for us. And then Devontae uh, seemed like every time, you know, you put the ball up to him, you know, he was making a huge play. So uh, to have those guys on the outside, um, I think it's hard to, you know, send, you know, more attention to a tight end or to a slot or anything inside just because of, you know, the threats that they are um, in, in their, you know, individual positions. So, you know, having those guys out there definitely helps. And then, uh, you know, when, you know, when you get your, you know, man to man and you get your single coverage, you got to be able to win and, uh, you know, dominate your matchups this way, you know, uh, you know, there's more trust in you to make plays. And then also, you know, maybe then you can draw a little more attention. So then those guys are, you know, getting their opportunities as well. And so there you go. Another very lengthy episode here of the Drive Time Podcast, breaking down day number two from training camp, hearing from four of the veterans on this Dolphins team, as well as Coach Flores. We're going to come back tomorrow and do it all over again. First, I want to remind you guys, as the official wellness provider and sports medicine provider of the Miami Dolphins, Baptist Health is ready and committed to continue caring for you safely. This pandemic has reminded us that crisis doesn't build character, it reveals character. It's also taught us that our health is truly what matters most. We have the power to protect each other by wearing a mask, so who do you wear a mask for? Mask up, South Florida, keep caring, live healthy, stay strong, learn more at baptisthealth.net slash coronavirus. And we are going to come back on tomorrow's podcast and do all of this over again. Practice reports up on the website, top news. We'll have the blitz for you guys in the morning. We have a new edition of the Fish Tank podcast out. I saw Bo and John around the building here this week too, so the Audible should have some new stuff coming out for you guys as well. We're going to have you covered wall-to-wall, MiamiDolphins.com, the podcast, on social media, wherever you get your football from, the Miami Dolphins are going to be there covering this team, covering these practices. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins at MiamiDolphins and, of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.